Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks to Isuzu Utes and you can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. Here are four points to four-wheel drive you to work on the Dockers after their win against Geelong in Geelong. Point one, Joel Hamling is one of the feel-good comeback stories of this AFL season. He's 30 years old now. Saturday's match against the Cats was his third of this season, just his fourth in two seasons, his fifth in three seasons, and his fifth game since his 27th birthday, thanks to a serious and potentially career-ending ankle issue. He had 12 disposals against the Cats. He had five marks, five intercept possessions. He was nice and solid. Will his ankle ever be 100% again? Probably not. But he's a pretty good first fallback option for Frio if one of their key defenders goes down, as Brennan Cox has. Point two, hats off to Alex Pierce. When a club underachieve, as Fremantle has this season, the first two blokes to cop it are the captain and the coach. Pierce has had a good battle with Lance Franklin the previous week against Sydney, but there were still calls to replace him as the skipper next year. And I'll put my hand up after thinking Pierce should be captain in the preseason. I had jumped off him. But he was superb against the Cats, opposed to both Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins. He had 15 intercept possessions, 10 contested possessions, 8 marks and 18 disposals. It was a real captain's game and Frio wouldn't have won without him. Point three, Michael Frederick spent some time on a wing at the weekend and it as an experiment worth persevering with. He not only kicked one of the season's great goals from the Gary Ablett Jr. pocket at GMHBA Stadium, he also pushed back hard to help his defenders and pushed forward hard at speed, at a speed the Cats struggled to cope with. He didn't always get the ball, but his pace opened holes for others. Fremantle have had an undersized, medium pace vanilla engine room for much of this season. Frederick adds X Factor to it, and shifting him would still leave Sam Switkowski, Michael Walters, Lockie Schultz, and Sam Sturt to play in attack. They all bring something to the table. And point four speaking of worthwhile moves, Hayden Young to the midfield inside the centre square is another one worth another look. They did it a bit at the weekend. He brings a big, strong body, a solid work ethic, clean ball handling, and a brilliant left foot to the mix. He wasn't a standout at the weekend. He was just nice and solid. He faded a bit in the final term, but he added significant grunt and penetration at times in his visits to the midfield. The Dockers should soon regain Heath Chapman to their back line, which strengthens that area again. There is a strong case to argue that one of Chapman or Young should play in the middle, And at this stage, Young probably should get first crack at it. West Coast, of course, 16-game losing run, gripping five-point win over North Melbourne. What does it mean? Thanks to Isuzu Utes. Live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. Here are four points on West Coast to four-wheel drive you to work today. One, did Adam Simpson stumble on a different use for Jack Darling before quarter time in the game yesterday? Perhaps it was just the way the game fell for Darling, but he was everywhere in a 10-disposal quarter, which saw him win important possessions in defence 
get involved in disposal chains going down the ground and set up goals. It was a different way to Dar- for Darling to play. It was his best quarter of football for the season and it helped set the game up for the Eagles. He was the dominant player in the Eagles setting up a 19-point lead at quarter time. They never lost the lead during the game. Point two, Shannon Hearn might be 35. This might be his last season in the AFL. It probably should be. But the Eagles games record holder is class, and he showed that in his performance on Nick Larkey yesterday. Larkey is no mug. He has kicked more goals this season than Oscar Allen in a team that has struggled almost as much as the Eagles have. Hearn used his experience and nows to keep him off balance and grounded and buffered him off the ball. Larkey's only goals of the game came in the final term, and it was too little too late for the Kangaroos. Point three, I've said it before, and I'm happy to say it again. I think Elijah Hewitt will be a better player than Ruben Jinby. That's not to say Jinby won't be a great player. I think he's got the capacity to be, capacity to be a strong-bodied, relentless running machine in the midfield, a little like Collingwood's Jack Crisp. But Hewitt has real X-factor out of stoppage and around goal, and he showed it again in his 21 disposal game against the Roos. He's having a really strong first season in the AFL now, and his third season, a third quarter goal from a stoppage in the forward pocket was an absolute special, and he made it look easier than it actually was. He identified the dangerous space, moved past the stoppage at speed, got past the traffic, widened the angle, made the snap on goal easier. It was class, and he has it. And point four, Jamie Cripps again underlined his importance to West Coast in this game. He kicked two goals. He was critical to the amount of pressure the Eagles were able to pile onto the young Roos, which helped them establish a five-goal lead twice in the game. He gained more than 300 metres for the team. He laid a game-high 11 tackles. In the third term, he shifted up to midfield stoppages a number of times to give West Coast an extra body at the clearance. That helped cancel out a north stoppage dominance, which was threatening to take the game away from West Coast. Cripps has always been a very underrated player outside the four walls at West Coast. He is very highly rated inside the four walls at West Coast. What do you think? You can have your say on both the Eagles and the Dockers on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. You can call us on the open line on 13 12 55. Have your say on the Ashes. Have your say on the Women's World Cup. And you can have your say on the Fremantle Derby. East Fremantle broke a 15-game losing streak against South Fremantle in the Derby at the weekend with their win over the Bulldogs. Overnight, of course, England won the fifth test by 49 runs at the Ashes. They They dismissed Australia for 334. It was a good run chase by the Aussies but runs on the board always count for plenty late in test matches. I think there is a serious post-mortem to be done on this test series by Australia. We won the World Test Champion. We won the first two tests of this series. We reclaimed the urn. But I think if we're honest, the moral victory here at the end of the series belonged to England. In the last three tests of the series, they were better and tougher for longer than us and if there was a moral victory to be had in that fifth test at the oval and I think there was 
the victory was had by England and not by us. England were bolder at selection. They introduced Chris Wokes and Mark Wood to their team midway through the series, and those two bowlers basically changed the course of the series, and we weren't very bold at all. David Warner continues to play. Now, David Warner wasn't the reason we lost the fifth test. He scored a good 60 in the second dig, but if you give a bloke 31 goes at it, sooner or later he's going to make a few. He doesn't make enough. He doesn't make them often enough, and he continues to play, and our timid selectors continue to play him. What do you think? We will be talking to Bryce McGain later on the show to get his thoughts on the Ashes series. You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or you can call us on the open line on 131255. In footy, Lance Franklin has retired. Effective immediately after tearing his calf muscle in Sydney's narrow win against Essendon at the weekend, he kicked 1,066 goals in 354 games, 486 goals in 172 games for Sydney, 580 goals in 182 games for Hawthorne. He is the last player to kick 100 goals in a season. He's 113 in 2008, which paved the way for Hawthorne's young team under Alistair Clarkson to win an unexpected flag, toppling the favourites Geelong. Unless something changes dramatically, he's also likely to be the last player to top the 1,000 goal mark. He sits fourth on the all-time list between Lockett, Coventry and Dunstall, having overtaken Doug Wade this year. The men ahead of him played in a different time before press defences and zone defences clogged forward lines and slowed the scoring down in our great game. In WA terms, I think he sits only behind Polly Farmer in the pantheon of great West Australian champions. You can have your say on that on the temperate bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. But in the meantime, thanks to Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max, here are my favourite Franklin performances to four-wheel drive you to work this morning. Won the elimination final versus Adelaide at Dockland Stadium 2007. Franklin, at the age of 20, kicked 7-2, including the match winner, to seal a three-point win for Clarkson's Young Hawks against the Crows. The last goal from out on the 50-metre line is followed by him turning to the crowd and embracing the adulation and the spotlight. It is the biggest early AFL indication that this kid loved the big time and thrived in the big moment. He kicked 73 goals for the season. To put that in perspective, he was at the time a year older than Fremantle's young star Jai Amis is now. Point two, round or game two, should I say, round 10, 2012. Franklin kicks 13 goals against North Melbourne in Launceston. Nathan Grimer, who had had just returned to the North Melbourne team after serious injury, was the fourth opponent on Franklin that day. He remembers after Franklin kicked his 12th goal, the Hawthorne runner coming out to them and saying there was less than a minute left. Franklin turned to Grimer and said there was still time for one more. He proceeded to kick goal number 13. It prompted Anthony Hudson's now famous call, 13 13. It was utter dominance, a superstar doing whatever he wanted to do. 
Game three, round 13, 2014, versus Port Adelaide at the SCG. It was Franklin's first year at the Swans. He had signed a mammoth nine-year, $10 million contract. The focus of the football world was on him. Port Adelaide had come with a rush at the Swans in the final term and, frankly, simply stepped up to the plate and won the game for Sydney. He kicked three goals from outside of the 50-metre arc to finish the game with 5-4, along with seven inside 50s. It was further evidence that Franklin would continue to be a big-moment money man after shifting to Sydney from the Hawks. And the last one, round one, 2018. Franklin kicked 8-1 at Optus Stadium against West Coast. It was the first ever AFL game at Perth's shiny new stadium. Franklin was so good, he didn't actually ruin the occasion for the locals. Even though Sydney won, he helped make the occasion special. The Eagles made the mistake of leaving a defender Often the very talented Tom Barris isolated one-on-one inside attacking 50 on Franklin and the big bloke was unstoppable. He loved our new stadium. He kicked six on Griffin Logue against Fremantle in 2021 and three against Dockers skipper Alex Pierce just a couple of weeks ago. Where does Buddy Franklin sit in the pantheon of great West Australian players? What are your favourite Buddy Franklin moments? You can have your say on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or you can call us on the open line on 13 12 55. Meanwhile, our Matildas are through to the elimination rounds of the Women's World Cup after a sparkling 4-0 demolition of Canada in Melbourne last night. Thanks to Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the seven-seater MUX. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. This on Shannon. West Coast has had a few better players than Shannon Hearn. Not many, mind you. CEO Trevor Nisbet yesterday bracketed him as the club's finest leader and among its top dozen players. It's a big rap when you think about some of the players who have represented the club Chris Judd, Peter Matera, Josh Kennedy, Ben Cousins, Glenn Jakovic, Dean Cox, Guy McKenna, Dean Kemp, just to name a few. We're already up to eight. Feels like we are only getting started. The Eagles have had three great eras, three premiership eras, so they've been represented by a lot of good players. But Shannon Hearn will not play this weekend, but will play his 333rd game in the Western Derby in round 22, hopefully being fit his 334th game in round 24 against Adelaide. He was his team's best player in his 332nd game, which was the five-point win against North Melbourne at Optus Stadium on Sunday. That broke a 16-game losing run for the Eagles and gave Adam Simpson's team just its second win of the season. Hearn will be his club's games record holder for at least some time and maybe forever. The nearest players to him on games played are Jack Darling and Andrew Gaff. They are back in the 270s. Both of them are the best part of three full seasons behind Hearn. And while they were good players for the Eagles on the weekend, I'm not sure that either of them is going well enough to get to where Hearn is. His legacy at the club will go far beyond his longevity, though. Every player at a football club leaves a mark, a piece of themselves behind. 
I'm not sure that any player in West Coast club history has left a bigger or a better piece or a more honest piece of themselves behind than Shannon Hearn. His nickname was Bunger, but for Hearn, leadership was never a matter of bunging on an act. It was a matter of being himself and following a set of basic fundamentals which he believes sport and life were really about. He was, as Nisbet and Adam Simpson both told us yesterday, one of footy's great kicks. And when Hearn talked about this at his farewell press conference, he talked of basics. Kicking was like writing, he said, is best honed by practice. And while everyone's handwriting is slightly different, you need to do the basics well. Same with kicking. Simple ball drop, low and straight, hit it sweet. His first ever kick in AFL footy back in 2006 against Brisbane at Subiaco, as you heard on Scotty and Goss for breakfast a little while ago, came after a squared-up kick from Tyson Stengline, which he took on the run in the centre square, ran to 55 metres, split the middle and hit the fence behind the goals at Subi's eastern end on the half volley. It was a 60-metre drop punt if it was a yard. He instantly became known as a super boot, and while he played in defence, he became a major attacking weapon for the Eagles. Opposition defences had to be paranoid about Hearn sneaking up the ground and getting on the end of the ball within distance. And for him, within distance was well beyond the 50-metre arc. And that was great and exciting for Eagles fans. But the greatest legacy Hearn will leave for West Coast was still to come. And it would come after Darren Glass suddenly retired mid-season in 2014. And Adam Simpson, in his first season as coach, was left without a skipper. He rotated the captaincy between a number of players from Glass's retirement until the end of the season. Hearn was one of the players in that rotation. Players of the standing and quality of Josh Kennedy and Matt Prittis were some of the others who took a turn. Kennedy kicked 61 goals in 2014 and Prittis won the Brownlow medal at the end of the season. But when the Eagles players and hierarchy took a look at who the next skipper should be, Hearn was virtually a unanimous choice. It was a unanimous choice and an inspired choice. As a captain... Hearn made sure the Eagles got the basics right. In their inaugural club song, West Coast talked about flying high. They were the first AFL club established in a massive football market with a footy-mad public. They became a much-loved club. They became the AFL's wealthiest club, one of its most successful clubs, arguably its biggest club. It was a heady environment for all, and some lost their bearings. Glass... The chiselled and toned defender had followed superstar into the captain's role and Judd had followed fellow superstar Ben Cousins into the role. And suddenly there's this country bloke from Anguston in South Australia in the role whose nickname was Bunger. He believed in simple fundamentals, not just in kicking the footy, but also in playing sport and living life. And yesterday he spoke of how he was taught these things from playing modified footy rules in Anguston as a five-year-old to kicking the footy with his sister, to playing sandful footy with Central Districts, cricket with Northern Districts in Adelaide. At every stage, he remembered the key people who had taught him the key lessons in sport and in life. He remembered his host family in Perth, his closest mates at the club, Matt Prittis, Mark Lacroix, and he remembered why he loved sport. Yes, it was about winning, he said, but it doesn't matter what state of the game it is or what the scoreboard says. You can still challenge yourself to win the next contest or help your mate. It is a cause bigger than yourself, he said. 
My main enjoyment is the love of the game and sport, had Shannon Hearn told us yesterday. Everyone can be a part of sport, no matter what your size or speed or age or ability. It is something bigger than yourself. It gives you a sense of belonging and it brings communities together. Hearn, for whom life is a mix of footy, fishing and farming, became a critical part of the building of the Eagles' 2018 Premiership trademark, Family, Friends and Flags. It was, he said yesterday, a key sense of common purpose that helped the Eagles overcome Collingwood's five-goal head start to win in 2018. We had a common cause and we wanted to achieve something together. We lived out that trademark, he said. That flag is arguably the most remarkable of all four of West Coast Premierships. They went through the season undefeated in Victoria. Not even Mick Malthouse's superstar team of the 1990s could claim that, nor could John Worsfold's 2006 Premiership team, which boasted a midfield of Chris Judd, Dean Cox, Ben Cousins, Daniel Kerr, Michael Braun, um, Fletcher and Andrew Embley. Hearn, the grounded country boy who was effectively the best antidote for players prone to getting carried away with themselves that West Coast could have had, was a key to having such a grounded and united and settled group. There was, as Nisbet said yesterday, complete honesty about him and no nonsense to him. Simpson said he hadn't seen another player as respected as Hearn. What you see is what you get, the Eagles coach said. He didn't see one change in anything, even when Hearn got the captaincy. According to Simpson, Hearn was the best thing he could have been, which was himself. Asked about his legacy, Hearn said, one of the things about legacies is adding to the club's legacy. Make it a better place. Do your best, learn from your mistakes and get up and have another go. He reckoned his body was taking too long to get over games now and he reckoned it was time to give it away. When his body is right, Shannon Hearn remains one of the AFL's most formidable defenders. At 187 centimetres, he held North Melbourne's 198 centimetre Nick Larkey to two goals in West Coast's five-point win on Sunday. It was an absolute masterclass in body positioning and trading weight against a taller opponent. Hearn is the country boy who became an all-time great at a famous football club by being himself, by following a simple but wise set of rules on footy and life and doing the basics, not just well, but at an incredibly high level.